The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transformed their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And our guest this morning is Dr. Linda Moore. She's a licensed psychologist and president of Linda L. Moore and Associates. And that's a company, I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about that, but in general, the company offers therapy, executive coaching, management consulting, and many other things. She's the former president and co-founder of CenterPoint, which is an outpatient counseling center. And she's also the former host of a day radio talk show. She works extensively throughout the United States and abroad. She's known for her work with women, with leadership training, stress management, human relations, and as I said, she's going to talk with us a little bit more about those. She writes and publishes on women in power, leadership, stress management, and she's currently at work on a new book called What's Wrong With Me? One of the things we're going to be talking about today is the third edition of a book she currently has out called Release from Powerlessness, Take Charge of Your Life. Welcome to the show today, Dr. Moore. Thank you, and good morning. You covered that pretty beautifully. Thank you. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, and I know there's more to it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your private practice and and who you work with and uh, why that's so important. The thing that is most interesting to me about my practice these days is that there has been a slight shift with working with more men. Traditionally, I've worked almost exclusively with women and professional women, and I would say it's more about 60-40 these days with men getting a little more comfortable asking for help. But my practice is informed by my interest in the psychology of women. And some men have said, well, then what would make me want to come? And I said, well, as I have learned so much about women, I've had to learn a lot about men. But the real point is we are much more different than we like acknowledging. So we have our individual issues that we must cope with, and we have system issues that we must understand. But um, women. So there's a, so there's a little bit of truth to the old, that other book. Um, women, I think it's um, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, or vice versa. There's some truth there. Well, to that the, the, I'll go with the title. I will only okay. <laughs> the title, not the content. Okay. The book. Okay. But we All are right. socialized so differently. Mm-hmm. And we are taught different ways of thinking about ourselves and about the world. And one of the things I find most significant is that you and I have a tendency, and I'm generalizing to include you in this, sure. but we have a tendency to look inside when there is a problem. In other words, if something is going wrong, it must be because of what I have either done or not done. Oh, I've heard that so often from and so many women. Yeah. Well, our weak spot is looking at the system and understanding what's going on in my environment, what's going on in this crazy organization I'm struggling with, and is it possible that it's not just me? And I have a saying that goes like this. It's a little lengthy. Sometimes the reason you feel crazy is because you're in a crazy situation. 
not feeling crazy may be the thing that means you really are, and that makes feeling crazy the only possible sane response. Mm, So it means I have to look outside, and I have to understand what other people are doing, and I have to understand how this system works, and I have to understand how I am viewed by the system. And the unfortunate thing for you and me in our culture is we are not seen the same way men are in terms of credibility, competence, and on the subject of our uh, panel next week, um, not good risks perhaps for investors. Yes, and and just a side note here, the panel that Dr. Moore is referring to is uh, access, it's, it's a women, for women, men are invited too, but it's for women, and it's on uh, accessing capital, overcoming the psychology of small, and that's going to be held at the Kauffman Foundation next Tuesday, um, October the I almost said March the 16th, <laughs> October the 16th. We're all confused and, this time of year. Yeah, and so there's, I think there's maybe 20, 25 tickets left, so if you're interested in that, uh, you can send me an email at kscanlon at ithinkbigger.com and I'll get you in touch with the people who uh, can get you those tickets. So again, uh, next Tuesday, October the 16th, over at Coffin, it's an all-day deal. We have people coming in from out of town, some national women leaders, uh, people like uh, Dr. Linda Moore and, and another uh, prominent <laughs> author, Susan Coleman. So thank you for bringing that up, Dr. Moore. Well, I think it's going to be an exciting day and it sort of throws into play one of the more extreme issues that women have to deal with. But that's not what people come to talk to me about in my practice. They come to say, help me get some perspective on what I'm doing. I'm working all day. My personal life is not that exciting, or my personal life is so demanding because I do have a partner and I do have children. It's a a constant effort, you know, at, at integrating all the components in our lives and making them work well, and sometimes we get overwhelmed. And Mm -hmm. I find in this current economy that the stress level people are experiencing is just, it's ramped up considerably. Right. Well, and a lot of things that I hear about, we all hear about balance, obviously. I mean, it's out there. Uh, But in particular, with the people I work with, uh, business owners, uh, you, you still, you hear a lot about balance, but a lot of business owners just give me this, uh, and I and frankly I, I tend to agree with them. This this look like balance. Don't don't even start there. There is no such thing. And yeah. and others fall into that camp too. Where where do you fall with that? Well, I think balance. balance is the wrong word. And it it's almost like revisiting the superwoman syndrome from multiple years ago. Yeah. Many years ago, a friend of mine, Marjorie Shavitz, wrote a book called The Superwoman Syndrome. And it had to do with that whole thing of quit trying to do it all. So we've come up with this word balance. There is no such thing. All you can do is try to, I keep looking for different words, and I think integrate is better. You just have to say, this month there can be no balance in my life because I have X number of business trips or I have... Uh, huge issues going on at home, so you you have to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And if you try to get balance in your life, it'll drive you kind of <laughs> off the page. Yeah, the quest for it. But do I attend to the priorities in my life, and are my values in sync with the way I live day to day? And there are going to be days that have 
no semblance of balance and other days that begin to feel that way. But I yes. think it's an alarming word. <laughs> I would agree. And and you just you just said some you just reaffirmed something or affirmed something that I heard last week. I was at uh, the National Association of Women Business Owners National Conference or Annual Conference in Louisville. Kathy Ireland was one of the keynote speakers yeah. and uh, super businesswoman, uh, by the way. And somebody asked her, uh, can you have um, everything? And, you know, In other words, balance and can you have everything? And she goes, yes, you can have everything, just not all at once. And that's and a better she, answer. She said, just what you did is that it's a matter of priorities. At certain points in your life, these are going to need to be your priorities. At other points, or even days, as you said, these are going to be your priorities. Mm-hmm. And you just have to learn how to recognize and identify what your priorities are and go with them on those days or on the, during those months. Yes. And, and, yeah, you can't have it all, just not all at once. And I well, thought you can have it all if you want to drive yourself nuts, basically. Yes. Is, yeah. Is, because... You have those days where nothing got done that you intended. You uh, mm. you n- neglected everything. You want to get in bed at eight o'clock and pull the covers over your head. That's not going to you know chalk up as a balanced day. So you just have to say, okay, one thing at a time. And can I? And that's another sort of soft spot for women. Can I put myself in this equation as the person who determines the priorities? because we have a tendency to focus outward on everybody else before we focus on ourselves. And if there's one thing guaranteed to get your life sort of off-center, it is not being able to put yourself first, and that is such a weakness for most of us because we have been socialized to be relational. We look at what other people are thinking and doing, and particularly those people important in our lives, and there's nothing bad about that. The issue is, where do I come into the equation? And when we put ourselves third, fourth, tenth, or fiftieth most of the time, then we so drain our energy that our ability to do what we want to do relationally is diminished dramatically, and we're drained. I mean, you just can't empty your bucket out and expect to get up the next day and get out there. You have to. You have to put yourself first. Right. Yeah, if kind of, you're going to be, yeah, if you're going to be good to anybody else, it's you know that yeah. whole thing when you get on an airplane, put your own exactly. oxygen mask. That was exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I, it, it's such a. It's everybody's heard it by now, but it's such a really apt metaphor because. You know, if you can't breathe, everybody's going to croak. And there are right. days that you cannot breathe because you have not given yourself permission. Right. And that's our, that's our soft spot. Let's segue now into, take because some of those concepts come out in, in the book that I mentioned, you have released the third edition of Release from Powerlessness, Take Charge of Your Life. Uh, the book was originally published in 1991, as I understand. I mean, that's yes. been, what, 21 years ago. So it's yes. now in its third release. And what I was struck by was that you start out this recent edition by saying that although you're pleased with the success, and I'm paraphrasing here, although you're pleased with the successes of women as we start you know, the 21st century, you're still discouraged by some of the the similar familiar, familiar old problems that we face, uh, not just you know in our personal lives but professionally too, and we are speaking to a group of business people 
here today. So, so why is it, in your view, why is it in spite of all the successes and all the advances that we've made, particularly as women, we're still facing some of the same challenges and, and that there's still a need for a book like this for women? I think, why that's, I think that's the hardest thing. And it, it, to me, I'm going to be simplistic. It's because women have tried really hard and successfully made a lot of changes in how they function. Systems are not different. Okay. The organizations we deal with, whether it's the structure of the family, of the church, of the school system, of the organization you work in, of the government, of the country, of the world, systems are still functioning in a way to view women as a group, because it's insulting individually, but as a group, systems see women as powerless people. And as long as systems regard us with that sort of first negative definition, then we are fighting something outside ourselves, something externally that is discouraging and depressing and reinforces reinforces all the old issues about women's behavior. It is it is phenomenal, for example, to me to see that all the legwork done back in the late 60s and 70s to desexualize uh, commercials, advertisements, magazines, we are so worse now today in our, if, if you open any magazine uh, or see any TV commercial, to minimize the intelligence of women and to sexualize us. It's far worse than it was in the 60s. And so that's a system regression, not even... Uh, the lack of system change, but it's gone way backwards. So if you're 11, 12, 13, and you are looking at what you think women are supposed to look like, mm-hmm. you've got to divert most of your attention to looking okay and being popular rather than using your fine, young, developing brain mm-hmm. to learn what you want to learn and to see yourself as uh, an autonomous, c- capable young woman emerging into the world. So as long as our systems continue to reinforce all those old images, um, then we have a lot more of an internal battle. So. Well, let's get on the same page here for our listeners who have not had the opportunity to uh, glance through your book uh, or read it. Describe what you mean by powerlessness uh, and, and what the, you, you, you hinted at it in the examples you gave, but let's just put it full-blown on the table there. Uh, describe what you mean by powerlessness and what, what does it arise from? What, uh, okay, just, when... the, the most simple definition is, and I, I don't, it's, it's easy to hear this as a criticism of women as opposed to what we are taught to do. So what we are basically taught to do is give power away. We do not intentionally do that, but we do it in order to stay connected. So powerlessness is such a focus on relationships and on externals that I let you make my decisions, make my choices, um, make all of the, the sort of global decisions that have to do with what my life is like. So if you ask the average woman, um, who who makes the decisions about what your day is like? Mm-hmm. Most of them will talk about their spouse, their partner, 
They will talk about their boss. They will talk about some difficult employee. They will talk about their mother. They will talk. I mean, it's a, an endless list because it feels as if I do not make choices on a day-to-day basis about mm-hmm. myself. That's the needs and the people. schedules of all of the people around Absolutely. them are dictating your schedule. Sure. Yes. And it's emotionally absolutely exhausting and it's again it's back to not putting yourself first it is even if i'm doing something for someone else in a generous and loving or helpful way as a manager or a leader i have to understand the reason i am doing that and if i choose to do that that's a healthy way of living but if i do it because i'm afraid not to if i if I offer you something in my busy schedule because I'm afraid you will think I'm a bad manager if I don't do it or not a good friend or not a good person, then I've given my power away. And right. we will make decisions not in our own best interest for the people around us. And when you do that in a patterned, ongoing way throughout life, then you begin to feel powerless. So the reverse power is an internal thing as i'm discussing it in my book it is it's a, an interior belief that i am in charge of my life uh power externally comes as a result of the label we have in the hierarchy and they are not the same thing but right. women often get put in positions of power in organizations without having done the personal power homework and so the position of power is even more stressful. That That is absolutely true. I, I have seen that play out so many times. Uh, you, know, you know, you've been put in a management position or you're a business owner, and you have power uh, externally given, but because you don't feel it from within, yes. it's it's wasted or it causes more stress to you or all the different things that you just talked about there. Um what you know that your section one of your book, your first part of your book, talks about powerless, what it arises from. Uh, you've talked a little bit about even today about the impact that it has on our lives. One of the things that before we get into section two, which are uh, self analysis and overcoming it and, and taking the power back or taking charge, I want to touch on this one other piece from section one, and that is very interesting. And that is the relationship between powerlessness and addictions. Yeah, talk to us about that. Okay, if 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 I continue to give my power away and I begin to feel more and more negative about myself and I am uh, angry, upset, depressed, uh, unhappy in general, then that healthy part of me is pushing that information and awareness up to the surface. In other words, most of us want to feel good unless something's really miswired. We want to get rid of those bad feelings. So it's in contradiction to what you're doing in your life. So what are you going to do about the bad feelings? Well, you're going to see if you can calm them down. Mm-hmm. So you begin a process of trying to quiet that wise voice inside you that says change something, do this differently, with food, with alcohol, with shopping, with bad relationships, And the issue is, uh, if I decide that a scotch and water or a glass of wine is going to relax me and I'm going to feel better and not have to deal with all this garbage in my life, 
eventually one scotch and water or one glass of wine is not enough. And that's what happens with addiction is I use something externally to quiet my internal voice and gradually I need more and more of that substance to get that to quiet down or uh, artificially go away. And before very long, you're hooked. And it happens to more and more people, I think, today with prescription drugs and it's a dangerous a dangerous issue and it grabs you before you know you realize that it's happening. Oh, very slippery slope. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. So, moving to section 2 then, uh you have uh, a self-analysis, you have questionnaires, you have exercises. Uh what are some of the steps that we can take, men or women, uh, as I said, we're talking to a mixed audience of business owners here. What are some of the steps for letting go of powerlessness and taking charge of our lives, that that, that internal uh, powerfulness or that internal power that you've been talking about, regaining well, that? The first thing is to figure out who you're giving it to, and I really do agree. Men do this also, particularly more in personal life than they do at work. They do it at work not as much as we do, but in those crucial personal relationships, men will give power away as well. So the first thing you want to do is say, who has more of my personal power or the ability to determine what, how my life is than I need them to? And you can you can figure that out by asking yourself a few questions. But my favorites are, who's the hardest person for you to say no to? Hmm. So if you pay attention to whose name pops into your head when you ask that question, then you've identified just with one question somebody who has too much of your power. It means that you say yes to that individual when you don't want to. Right. And so you go through a series of questions. You say, all right, I've identified one, two, three, four people who are are really hard for me to deal with, and I give them a lot of my power. So then you begin to devise a plan, and you have to do this carefully because when you've given a person a lot of power in your life and you decide you're going to take it back, it makes people cranky. I mean, we, sure. we don't like that. We don't like that <laughs> balance. And right. lots of women say, you know, my my husband or my partner says you must have been to a, or my boss, you must have been to a workshop over the weekend because you're behaving <laughs> differently. But you have to have a strategy. You have to say, what are some simple, basic things I can do to begin to get this back in some manageable form? And the hardest thing is just to say to the person, I need for you to know that I'm starting to do some hard work on myself and I'm going to be trying to take uh, stronger steps to be more outspoken, to say some things I need to say when I need to say them. So be aware of that. Uh, so you actually, so you actually verbally acknowledge to the person that you're going to be doing this, and and uh, I, I suppose right there some of the awkwardness can begin. Even though it's sure. meant to deflect uh, a tense situation, it, it probably still creates some awkwardness. There is no way to do this without discomfort and sure. awkwardness. There just isn't, because you're asking yourself to do the things that you least like to do. And the baseline reason women give power away is to avoid conflict. Sure. I will do almost anything to make you happy 
if I think you are unhappy with me, and so I will give you some power that I shouldn't be giving you in order to get the sense that this relationship is back on track. So the people who you can't say no to are usually the most important people in your life. Yes. Well, that's why they're causing the most stress, too, because they are the most important. You're interacting with them the most often. (laughs) For sure. For sure. So those are the first things, and those are really hard. And they you are. Just, you just keep going and you hone your skills. And lots of people um, form little informal support groups with each other. Um, they you know, decide to get some carry out and meet and read a chapter in a book and, and role play or discuss how you would speak more assertively uh, to the person you're dealing with and get this relationship back on track. Um you can do that. You can spend money in therapy. You can spend money going to a workshop. But you are going to have to sharpen some skills because it, it is, I would never say it was an easy thing to do. You feel a lot better from doing it, but not up front. It's, oh, sure. It's tough. Yeah. Well, and but uh, as with most things that are life-changing, they're difficult. <laughs> if, they, if it was easy, we'd all be doing it all the time. So, Well, we look uh, for pain-free solutions, and I'm afraid there are none when the situation is right. Yeah, right. You know, we, we, we are out of time today. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week uh, at the Kauffman Foundation in Kansas City. If you live close to Kansas City or, uh, you know, you're St. Louis, some part of the the uh, region, we'd love to have you. As I said, there's still some tickets available for the event. It's on Women Accessing Capital, Overcoming the Psychology of Small. Dr. Linda Moore is one of the speakers. I will be interviewing her that day along with Susan Coleman, and we'd love to have you come out. You can email me, kscanlon, at ithinkbigger.com if you're interested in getting tickets. And, Linda, if anyone would like to get a copy of your book or find out more about what you do, perhaps continue this conversation with you offline, how would they go about doing that? Well, you can get it on Amazon. You can get on my website. You can give me a call. It's not in bookstores anymore since it's been okay. uh, off the market for so long. So, uh, but and, you can and what's your website? It's dr. Dr. Linda L. Moore. Moore with an E. Two O's and an E. Two O's and an E. Uh huh. So, Dr. Linda L. L. Moore. Moore. M O O R E. Dot com. Right. Right. Okay, so you can get her book there. I mean, you can get her book on Amazon. You can uh, contact my her office. through the website. And go ahead. You can call my office. Okay, and what's your office number? 816-444-2242. Okay, it's been wonderful chatting with you this morning, uh, Dr. Moore, and I will look forward to seeing you in just a few days. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.